You're now listening to Locked On 76ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we're going to be discussing James Harden's introduction to Philadelphia. Let's get into it. You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome into Locked On 76ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Kai Carlin of Sixers Wire, joined by the OG Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Keith, what's going on, man? What's popping, man? How you doing, young buck? I'm good. I'm good. Now, listen, uh, guys, this episode is going to be all about James Harden and his introductory press conference on Tuesday. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit of Ben Simmons' press conference introductory with uh, with the Brooklyn Nets, and we're also going to get into a um, a pretty disgusting Sixers loss on Tuesday night to the Boston Celtics. Uh, we're going to get into all of that and more. But first, we're going to get into James Harden. Uh, Harden was introduced on Tuesday to the Philadelphia media. There were a couple of things that were we could be able to you know take from that. Keith, just what was I guess what was your really main takeaway from Harden's press conference on Tuesday? I mean, the, the one thing is he, he seems extremely happy to be here right about now. I mean, he talked about his pairing with Joel Embiid. I mean, he talked about um, Tyrese Maxey, um, a couple other guys, how, how good it was. You know, the one thing that really got to me was, or really stood out to me, was there was a point in time where Marcus Hayes from the Enquirer asked, uh, asked a question. And said, you know, he was talking to the owner, Josh, and point pointed all the times that Josh's moves failed. And he said, what makes you think that this one is going to work? And James gave him a look and just shook his head. To me, that let me know that this guy is determined to basically come here and do something. So, to me, the thing that stood out was just you can tell that he was relieved to get out of, out of New York. You know what I mean? That's the thing that stood out to me. Yeah, and, you know, Harden is going to come in here, and obviously he's a very, very talented player. It's, it's like, you know, he's a future Hall of Famer, former MVP. Um, obviously he's not going to make his debut until after the All-Star break. You know, he's still dealing with the hamstring issue and everything else. Um, but I feel like, you know, once he comes back and, and makes his debut out on the floor – it does kind of seem like this is going to kind of be like a little bit of a seamless transition just because of you look at you look at Harden and you look at the talent that he brings and his basketball IQ and everything else. Um, you know, you look at Joel, his basketball IQ, you combine the two of them, and and James kind of even mentioned it. Like, they complement each other pretty well on paper, Keith. It just it kind of seems like those two are going to be a really good star duo moving forward. Yeah, yeah, um, they, they will. But I don't think it's going to be as seamless as people think. Um, and, and, and the reason why I'm saying that is because they're both two ball-dominant guys. When things get rough, guys are going to want to have to go out there and score. Now, again, they are going to try to, you know, play together and do everything well. But, you know, let's face it, they got whipped by the Boston Celtics. So it's going to be one of those things where, like, what's going to happen when you're down in games like this are guys going to start trying to play hero ball to get back, or are they going to continue to play team ball? Now, again, on paper, that's they got the best in the pick and roll. These guys are uh, should be great in the pick and roll. The only question I have is, 
Joel rarely likes <laughs> does the pick and roll, or he he does it the right way. So it, it's just going to be a lot of things that we're going to see. James Harden is a is an iso ball type of guy. He likes dribbling, doing this and that. Uh, Joel is really good at quarterback in his room. So what he does is he finds open shooters. So is James the type of guy that's going to do a catch and shoot? So you understand what I'm saying? So it seems seamless, but it they have to grow. You know what I mean? It really, I have a question for you because you just said that Joel doesn't really, really do the pick and roll often, and obviously that's a true statement. But I ask you, is it because he never really had a guy – like Harden, who can run the pick and roll with him. I know he had Ben, and obviously Ben was a great passer. But do you feel like maybe he'll be more willing to run it, maybe with a guy like Harden, and they'll be able to make a little bit of an adjustment? Um, I mean, I, I guess he says he is, but but again, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll find. I mean, they'll figure it out. We'll find out. I mean, the, the question is, and, and this isn't a knock. This isn't a, a knock at Joel. This isn't a knock at um, Harden. It's just that. These are two guys who are used to playing a certain way. And it's easy to come out and say, hey, look, this is what we're going to do. Right. We're, we're, we're committed to doing this. Well, we'll find out if you guys are actually going to go out and do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, again, it's going to be really interesting to see. It's like um, he did say that his hamstring is good. He says conditioning is good. Um, he, he said that it was more of a collaborative effort with him and, and Doc and the doctors and everything to, um, you know, decide that it just would be best to wait until after the all-star break so it it looks like he should be able to make his debut on february 25th when they're on the road against the minnesota timberwolves um do you keith have any uh do you do you think because in my opinion keith i think it's the right move to just sit him until after the all-star break because like if the hamstring is bothering him you don't want to like throw him out there for two games um i guess like boston and milwaukee and then you know um, have him sit again for eight days and then have him push it again, you know? So um, just, I'm asking you, do you feel like that this is the right move? Um, it, it is in a way. I mean, but you know, he, he looks good, but, um, I, I guess, I guess it is. I mean, it was funny though, but the way they, you know, you look at him struggling, you think like maybe they want to bring him back, okay. but here's the thing it, it's good in a way. And I think we talked about this yesterday. It's one of those things where you can rush him back. And then all of a sudden, if if he if he has a setback, then he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Or would you rather have him miss two games as opposed to having him come back, play, tear it a little, I mean, uh, mess it up a little bit, and then he's out for like seven, eight days. I mean, seven, eight games. You don't want that. They can't afford that. Yeah, not now, especially when, when he does come back. There's going to be 24 games left. And you really have to be able to get the chemistry down. And you you just kind of mentioned it. Um, I, I feel like it's it could be like a seamless transition to kind of get these guys together just because of how much of a high IQ both Joel and James really have. But you do make a really good point, Keith, in the fact that, you know, James is a guy who – he's a ball-dominant guy. He likes to handle the ball a lot. He likes to break down a defense. He likes to – hit step-back threes and everything else. I mean, Joel tried one of those step-back threes on Tuesday. We'll get into that later. Um, but, you know, it just – I do – like, that's a really good point. Like, I do kind of wonder now, like, you know, how long is it going to take for those guys to be able to get it down pat? But, again, they've got 24 games after the break. 
Um, it's going to be a sprint heading into the playoffs. They're going to be they're going to be facing some tough opponents. They'll face the Bucks one more time after Thursday. They'll uh, they have three more matchups with the Cleveland Cavaliers. They got two matchups with the Miami Heat. Uh, they got three game Western Conference swing when they go to L.A. twice and then Phoenix. So this is going to be a sprint um, the rest of the way, Keith, and it's going to be pretty tough to get everything down. But I mean, the opportunity is there for them. Yeah, the opportunity. You're right. The opportunity is there for them to 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 do well. But you know, I I do think that you know everyone's talking about you know how how this team needs. Uh, how should I say it? Everybody's talking about how this team right now needs, um, like, they need James and they need a backup center. I mean, I, I think that they need a three and D. Like, totally we talked about it yesterday. They got a couple threes and they got a couple Ds, but they don't have three and Ds, you know what I mean, collectively. So that's something that I think the Sixers really need to need to, to work on it and something, something that they need to get. Yeah, and that's something that they really missed on Tuesday uh, in their loss of the Celtics, and we are going to get into that one later. Um, but, yeah, like I definitely agree. Sixers could totally use another wing player. Um, you know, losing Seth Curry. And, and, listen, you make this move for Harden 11 times out of 10. Is James freaking Harden. But, you know, the, the, the loss of Seth Curry and Andre Drummond have definitely been kind of felt um, a bit you know, here in the early going. Listen, we're going to get into Ben Simmons a little bit in his press conference with the Brooklyn Nets. But first, we're going to hear from Prize Picks. All right, NBA fans. Are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and we know you will too. It's easy to use. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. PrizePix offers a variety of options. PrizePix offers any prop you can think of, from points scored to rebounds, even steals. PrizePix allows mixed sport entries. I picked an over on Giannis Antetokounmpo and an under on Blake Griffin. And Prize Picks doesn't just offer NBA. They have options on the college basketball, college football, NFL, MLB, soccer, MMA, and even more. For a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point. But you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. Sign up today and use code NBA, $50 for free, if a player in your Prize Picks entry scores a single point. Thank you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen. For your next listen, make sure you check out the Locked On Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. Listen in to Locked On Now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch it on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel. Okay, Keith, so on Tuesday, the Sixers introduced James Harden, and that was kind of like the big story. But another huge story in the NBA was Ben Simmons got introduced uh, as officially as a member of the Brooklyn Nets. So both players have officially landed in their new homes. They've been introduced and things like that. Um, you know, obviously we didn't we didn't really get a chance to catch the entire Simmons press conference. We caught some of it. We obviously had to take care of James Harden on our end. But, um, you know, Simmons kind of – there were a couple quotes that kind of stood out uh, to me, Keith. Like, you know, there was one that um, he said, for me – 
uh, the mental health has nothing to do with it, just the trade. It was a bunch of things I was dealing with as a person in my personal life that I don't really want to go in depth with. Uh, but I'm here now, so it's a blessing to be in an organization like this. I'm just looking forward to get back on the floor and build something great here. So for me, Keith, that kind of sounds like Ben is ready to move forward. He's he's happy again, and, and that's a really good thing for him because, I mean, clearly, just you know, just he wasn't happy here, and now it's just, you know, time to move on, right? Yeah, he got what he wanted. I mean, he wanted to be traded. I mean, Shucks, I would be happy if I was him too. I mean, you, you get your wish. You get to go up the road in your hometown or your father's hometown in New York. Um, don't you, uh, you, you get to play with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Um, you know, you have two of your buddies, Seth Curry, one of his close friends on the team. It's to play video games together after shoot around. And then you have Drummond. I mean, look at it. It's the setup for him. I mean, he doesn't have to shoot the ball. If he shoots the ball four times a game, he, he did something. You know what I mean? He's going right. to be able to, st uh, uh, you know, um, just collect a lot of stats. So I think, in a way, yeah, I would be extremely happy too if I was Ben Simmons. Yeah, and and you know what, man? Like, you know, you know, it t it takes a lot for a person who's dealing with, with some with some um some mental issues to open up like that, like he's like, like he did with this team back in September. And and you know, this he clearly wanted a trade, as you said, he wanted out. Um, he he got his wish. He's now. In Brooklyn, as you said, man, like he's he's up the road. It's not like he went like across the country or, or anything else. And you know, this is kind of like a, a you know, it's a good it's a good fit for him. Um, it's it's unfortunate the way things kind of happened in Philly, Keith, because I kind of feel like you know, um, James, uh, not James, Joel and and Ben, they had a lot of regular season success. Um, and even Joel mentioned they were the number one seed and they were getting home court advantage all the time. They just they couldn't get done in the playoffs, but you know. You know, it is what it is. Ben won a different situation, and now he's moved on. Um, and, and, you know, you have to kind of be happy for him because he was able to kind of fight through it. But do, do you feel like, you know, that Joel and Ben could have grown a bit more, do you, you feel like, and possibly gotten to where they wanted to go with that tandem? I mean, they could have, yeah. I, I feel like they could have. But, you know, I, I also think that, you know, it's a product of, you know, that's one of the downfalls of the process. You get two guys who should be franchise players, cornerstones, two guys who have shown that they play better when the other one's off the floor, and and they just want to be the guy. And I, I think that, you know, it was, it was always recognized as being the odd couple. That's what they were. They were the odd couple. And, and I, and I kind of think that this is what, you know, this is a product of that. You know, I, I think that in the beginning, if, if someone sat them down and, like, said, hey, look, this is how it's going to be, it would have been better. But it got to a point where both of them got max contracts. You know, both of them thought they were the man, this and that. They didn't get along. And I think that, you know, looking back at it, it's one of those things where, you know, Ben was baby. He like they they let him they catered to him a lot, to a point where it kind of had a negative impact on him, a negative effect on him, and that's what we saw. So I feel like you know you can't keep allowing somebody to do whatever they want, and then you come down on them hard. You know I, I compare that to like I tell people it's like my daughter jumping up and down on the couch, 
And then when we have company over, you say, no, you can't do it. And she looked at me like, what are you talking about? This is what I always do. And I think that it happened, and it, it, it just, he wanted out. But again, yeah, it, it's unfortunate that they didn't get along. But to be honest with you, the pieces just didn't fit. Like, you know, they the spacing, I think that, you know, James Harden, if him and Joel and B can get along, and play together, he's a better fit. An, a, a traditional point guard is better. The fact that Ben's not a shooter, it, it kills the spacing. So, you know, I, I don't think that it would have worked. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you to a certain extent because it was just like, you're right. You know, like every time they, they hit the playoffs, it was just like, you know, the spacing, as you mentioned, was just kind of tough. Um, and obviously Ben isn't like, you know, he's not a shooter just yet. Um, I feel like, you know, Ben in Brooklyn is going to – it's going to be a perfect fit. It's definitely going to be really good for him. Um, as far as, like, you know, his fit with the Nets, Simmons said, uh, staying aggressive, playing to my strengths. That's being a playmaker, making the right plays, setting my guys up, which is exactly what he did, you know, here in Philly. I think he, like, led the league in three-point assists um, for, uh, I think, two seasons while he was here with the Sixers. Um, Simmons then added, and then defensively, obviously locking down who I need to lock down. So I'm excited to get on the floor with these guys. Incredible team, incredible talent. So super excited. And, and, and again, that's good. I mean, good for him. Um, this is exactly what he wanted. And, 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 you know, Keith, you and I have kind of touched on this, this a, little bit, a little bit recently. And, um, you know, because it's, it's kind of hard not to touch on it. But when you look at the Eastern Conference race, and, you know, we talked about the Sixers with Harden and Embiid. And we talked about the Bucks, uh, which will be a big matchup on Thursday for the Sixers. We've talked about um, the, the Bulls a little bit. We talked about the Cavs. We talked about the Heat a little bit. Um, but the Nets, you know, they also, they're also a team that doesn't have a lot of time to get this chemistry thing down. You know, they're kind of in the same position as Philadelphia, obviously. But come playoff time, let, let's play hypotheticals. We got Sixers-Nets in the playoffs. Um would you would you be afraid of that team a little bit if you were a Sixers fan? Like be like, eh, you know, just be like, just because of the talent they have. I would, yeah, I would be. I mean, I would be. I mean, just because. I mean, I, I think that first of all, there's going to be a lot of emotion involved. They're going to be. You got Kevin Durant pissed off because James Harden didn't want to be there anymore. You know, you got Ben trying to come after people. Now, again, if you if you said okay, Ben. You got to shoot a couple threes to beat the team. Then you're like, oh, whatever, dude. Right. But the fact is he has, like, an arsenal. Yeah. Like, you have Steph Curry. I mean, Steph Curry, son-in-law. Come on, man. You my father-in-law. You you let him trade me. There's going to be a lot of emotion. I mean, and think about it. A couple nights ago, he was balling. He was balling. Curry was yeah. balling. So, yeah. So, with that being said, I, I just think that, it's going to be a lot of emotion involved, and I think that, you know, we're, we're going to see. We're, we're, we're going to see these guys um, fired up and motivated. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. And, again, the Nets make their return um, to Philadelphia March 10th. That will be Simmons' possible first game back with, with Brooklyn. Simmons did say that um, he, hasn't, he hasn't ha- doesn't have a date yet for his return. But he's definitely working towards back on the floor. He's starting to ramp it up. And then in terms of Simmons possibly coming back on March 10th to face the Sixers, he said, I would hope so um, in terms of potentially playing in that game. Uh, Keith, we're running out of time here in the second segment. Yes or no, does Ben Simmons play in that game March 10th? I think he does. I think he does. I know a lot of people think he doesn't. I think he does. 
I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say no, um, but it's, it's definitely gonna be interesting to see uh, if he plays in that game because you said that guy's like you said it's gonna be an emotional game. Emotions are gonna be running high. A lot of people are gonna be a lot of guys really on both sides are gonna be trying to prove the other side wrong. So it's gonna be interesting to watch. I hope Ben plays in that game. It's gonna be a lot of fun to watch. All right. Up next, we're going to get into a pretty bad Sixers loss on Tuesday to the Boston Celtics. But first, we're going to hear from Bet Online. Football might be over this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, Keith, so we got into Ben, we got into uh, James and their introductory press conferences. Now we got to get into the actual game uh, that the Sixers played on Tuesday night. It was a, it was a long night. <laughs> it was it, it it was a long night. I mean, the Sixers ended up trailing the Boston Celtics by fifty one points. They ended up falling one thirty five to eighty seven. The Celtics made twenty five three pointers. Philadelphia only made eight. Um, the the Celtics had twenty six twenty eight assists. Philadelphia had seventeen, and Boston won the rebounding battle fifty one to forty. It was just a bad night overall, Keith. Is there any is there anything you could take away from this game? No, nah, there really isn't. Um, you know, it, it, aside from taking away that, you know, like we said before, they, they got a couple threes, but they had no Ds, or they got a D with no three. The, the thing is they need some complete players. Also, I mean, I know James Harden didn't play, but I don't know – I think they probably would have lost by 25, not 48, if James would have played. I mean, I feel like other players need to step up, and they didn't, and and that's tough. I mean, you look at them, they have bad matchups. What they have is they have some long athletic wings. Long athletic wings are a horrible matchup for the 76ers. And and that's what that that's what that's where they were doomed. Yeah, and, and you know this this kind of goes back to the part to the point we were talking about earlier. You know this team doesn't have really a three and D. They've got a couple threes. They've got a couple of Ds. Matisse Thybul is a D, and Matisse had six three pointers. Keith missed all six of them, and I want to say four of them were pretty wide open looks. The other two somewhat defended, but Keith M- Matisse at some point is going to have to, you know, he's an elite defender. Like, he's, in my book, he should be in the running for defensive player of the year. The things that he does on, on the defensive end is crazy. But offensively, he's got to start knocking down these three-pointers. It's good that he's taking them. Um, he's not hesitating on them. He's catching, he's shooting. And, you know, basketball really can be like a make-or-miss game, Keith, at the end of the day. But at some point, Keith, he's got to turn these misses into makes. He just has to, especially when Harden gets on the floor. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, he has his, that's part of his maturation as a player. Um, um, you are right. Um, you know, we'll see what he can do. But, I mean, I can't argue with you against that. He, he does need to, to do a better job on, on that. 
Yeah, and, and you know, I remember earlier in the year when the Sixers uh, took on the Miami Heat and the Heat went to a zone, and they didn't even care that Thibault was wide open for three. They just let him shoot. Um, and, you know, he wasn't able to take advantage of his open looks. Now, granted, Matisse, you know, before Tuesday night against the Celtics, he had like a streak there where he was consistently knocking down threes, but he was only taking like one three. He was taking maybe two threes, and he was like one for one from deep on the night, two for two from deep on the night or something. Tuesday was really the first time we really saw Thibault really fire it away from deep. Um, so, I mean, like the six three-pointers, again, that's a really good number. You want to you see him take that many. But he's also got to be able to make at least two of those. And it, it just – it just is crazy because I'm gonna be honest with you. Like I, I I'm not gonna kill him. I'm, I'm, for, I'm not gonna I'm, no, kill no, him. No, no, no. Let, let me listen. Let okay. me just listen to me. I'm not gonna kill him for making shots, uh, not making shots because that ain't really his game. Like when he was drafted, he wasn't a good shooter. They got some dudes on this team mm-hmm. who supposed to be shooters, who 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 been on bad slumps. I think the problem that you're seeing now is that. Since these dudes are struggling, it comes to a point where you have to depend on him. And if you told me that this guy would have to fire up threes for them to win games in the beginning of the season, we both would have said, well, you're lying. Mm. So, again, I'm not arguing with you or anything like that, but I think that's more of an indictment of the other players. Because you remember, there was a point in time where this dude was battling to be in the rotation. Now he's out here starting, <laughs> getting open looks. But they, but the rest of these guys, like, you know, let's keep it 100. Shake Milton, Furkan, all these type of guys. Danny, these were dudes who were supposed to be able to stretch the floor, whereas Matisse was just a, a specialist who was just being people up. Right. So, you know, we when we talk about that, I honestly, and I also think that, you know, I think a lot of his problem, and it's not really a problem, is the fact that, uh, how should I say it? He played for the Olympic team, which was good, but he, it was great that he got a medal, but he also would have benefited from working on his shot at home, right? But, again, what you're saying is right, but I think that that's more of an indictment of the other quote-unquote sharpshooters who can't make it? Who can't make a shot? I agree with you 100%. What I'm saying is though, when Harden steps on the floor and you know he, he's driving and he's kicking it out, Matisse is going to be the one catching the ball the majority of the time out there, right? Now you're absolutely right. Furkan Keith is shooting under 30% from deep this year. That's not going to cut it. You know you're going to need Furkan to you know catch a rhythm again. Like that's going to be a very important piece to what the Sixers want to do. Um, Danny Green, he was one for four from deep on uh, on Tuesday. So, you know, you're going to need Danny Green to, to get into a, a little bit of a groove again. You just you have to. Um, Tobias, like I just want to touch on Tobias real quick. Um, and you know, I don't think it was his fault really. I just feel like the Sixers, just, you know, they really didn't have any rhythm on Tuesday. But Tobias only took uh, on uh, seven shots. Um, on on Tuesday against the Celtics, and only, he only had three shot attempts at halftime. Uh, 
I, I think, Keith, that was just more the fact that the Sixers weren't able to get into a rhythm, and Tobias is a guy who gets his offense within the rhythm of and the flow of the team. Just, just what, what, what did you think of, of Tobias only getting seven shots on Tuesday? Um, I mean, you know, Doc Rivers said that they gave him the ball. I mean, but I, I'm with you. I think Tobias is more of like a rhythm guy. I mean, I think all of them just played poorly. I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, Tobias in order for them – it's funny, like, whenever they move the ball and everything works out, Tobias normally thrives. Like, right. he's the type of guy who fly, thrives in the motion. But on this particular night, when the, ball was, when the ball wasn't moving and stuff like that, there's times when Tobias just has to assert himself and be like, look, I'm getting mine. Like, I'm attacking the basket. I'm doing something. Because it's kind of unacceptable for him to only have three shots in the first half. Yeah. Yeah, it's very unsuccessful. Yeah. Yeah, just it can't happen. Yet like, you know, we just touched on three shots at halftime. Philadelphia found themselves trailing by 27 at the half. Um and and then uh seven shots for the game as a as a whole is just it's not going to cut it. Um you know, you're you're going to need Tobias to be involved in the offense. And you know, Doc meant Doc admitted that after the game. He was like, "You know, we got to get Tobias going." Um, you know, he he said He's a big part of our success. He's going to be a key to what we want to do. We, you know, got to get Tobias Harris going. So when James gets here and James can get on the floor and everything, I feel like that'll make Tobias' life a bit easier too. You know, we talk about it all the time. Tobias is a guy who gets his offense within the the flow and the rhythm of the team. He's not a guy who's going to go out there and get his own, um, you know, that way. So, you know, that's definitely going to be something that, you know, that, that, that has to be look, looked at along the way. And then, obviously, you know, Joel got double and triple teamed all night long. He finished with 19 points. Um, his streak of 25 points, 20 uh, games with 25 points at least ended at 23 games. So, you know, now he, he moves on. Uh, Keith, as we end up the podcast, what did you think of Joel's um, night against Boston? Um, it, was, it wasn't that good. I mean, it was like, you know, he had 17 points. Uh, he struggled a little bit. 19. A ni- oh, 19 points. He struggled a little bit. Um, you know, it, it was a prime example of a night where he needed some help. He didn't get it. He couldn't get it done by himself. Um, I, I felt like they did a pretty good defensive job on him. You know, Al Horford, you know, you look at it, he didn't have blocks or anything like that. But I felt like the way he defended Joel was successful. And then you look at Daniel Thies, he had four blocks tonight. So I feel like that they were active, they were aggressive, and they did a pretty good job on Joel. And, you know, now, again, Joel did not play in the fourth quarter. So it would have been one of those things where he probably would have had more points. Right. Um, You know, but it it, it stopped his streak of scoring 25 or more points. Um, The streak was at 23. So it stopped tonight, but, yeah. Yeah, just it is what it is. And, and George Niang mentioned it after once Harden gets on the floor of the Celtics. You know, if Harden was out there, they, they're they not going to send they tri- tri- double lost, triple teams. Though. They still would have yeah, lost. They, they still would have lost yeah, for sure because Boston kicked their ass yeah, from lost. the jump. Because I, as good as James Harden is, I mean, yeah, they wouldn't have said that. But as good as James Harden is, no one is going to say he's a first-team all-defensive dude. For sure. One dude gave him 29. The other one gave, gave him 28. 28. It was yeah. easy. Yeah. Easy. So, yeah. yeah. I, I think the point that George is trying to make, though, is just like, you know, with James on the floor, the Celtics aren't going to triple and double-team Joel, which is, is a good point. It, it wouldn't have mattered. 
For sure, because the Celtics were in too much of a great offensive groove, but you know, George does have a good point, like in that in that sense. Like that that's all I, I took from that. Um, thanks for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling, is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. For Kai Carlin of Sixers Wire, I'm joined by the OG Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. We're out. We'll see you guys next time on Locked On 76ers. Deuces.